0: Hey, do you want to hear the uh, the intro music, or should we just get started?
1: Uh, you should you should play that funky music.
0: All right, it gets me pumped up. I will admit. All right, here we go. I like it. All right. Oh, wait a minute.
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Successful Users Podcast, featuring Samuel Hewlett and Robert Graham. I love that the stadium, the whole stadium is cheering for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love the stadium too. I, It seems like an unreasonable expense when we started a podcast, but I, <laughs> I'm really behind it now. Yeah, look, I'll, I will drop I will drop uh,
0: $17 to have a whole stadium cheer for me any day of the week. <laughs>
1: that, that's a fact.
0: So, yeah, so the, the, the topic of this episode is surveys. We wanted to we 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 went in one direction with the switch interviews last episode. This episode we're going bing bing, totally different direction. It's like a pinball machine. This podcast is going all over the place, but yeah. but there is a, a center that keeps everything. There's method to this madness.
1: Yeah, it's it's those successful users, right?
0: Right. If it helps make users successful, we're gonna cover it.
1: Uh, so where should we start with surveys?
0: I was thinking maybe just uh, hit the ground running. How do you get a survey up? What are tools, what are recommended tools for, for, uh, do it? Should we start with why in the, uh, what's his name, Simon Sinek sense? Or, uh, or just go straight to the how?
1: Uh, let's, let's jump out on the how. We can, we can talk, talk why. What, what are, what are your best, uh, what's your top three survey tools?
0: Well, gotta, gotta go Koala Certainly, uh, have established themselves. As one of the market leaders in in brief surveys out there, I think uh, you know Survey Monkey has the word "survey" in its name and the word "monkey" in its name. They're kind of like yeah. the male chimp of surveys.
1: <laughs> That's a very surface comparison, but I like it.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, those are kind of the I don't know. What, what, what would you what what would you put as as the the third option right there?
1: Third option. Uh... Well, I guess Wufoo was bought out by, by SurveyMonkey, but they, they've got kind of like a fresh fresh feel, fresh look. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of like Wufoo
0: Or Keepify, I guess.
1: Yeah, they've got the uh, the free tool right into yep. the Google Doc. Uh,
0: and then I suppose Google, because a lot of times there's like the Google oh. survey as well.
1: Yeah, Google, they launched the whole survey tool thing. So I'm not a uh, huge
0: fan of that. From yeah. an entrepreneurial sense, I like it because you can just whip one out really quickly. But as a user, it feels cold to me. It feels like I'm like a like somebody designed it in like a what was that Microsoft? Uh, what was that PageMaker? No, Page- is that what it was called? It's like the one where people because like I used to work with small businesses like what with their with their websites and they're like yeah we have one that was made in what was it Microsoft? Uh... All right, things have things have really ground to a halt here. This is a momentum killer.
1: This is the worst podcast ever made about surveys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not even slowing down to find out something about surveys. You know what? I'll just punch it in after the fact. I'll look it up later, and then I'll punch it in. Oh, wait. Maybe this is it? No. Editor's note. Samuel eventually figured out that it was called Front Page. So wait, how would you know which one to use under, under what circumstance?
1: Uh, well, I think you'd have to start with what you're trying to measure.
0: Oh, which yeah, to my mind, any any of these uh, investigative things, I think, or, or even just like website anal- uh, analysis or yeah, diving into data. My thing is always let's get clear on what questions we're asking before we dive into trying to find answers to them. I don't think I don't think reverse engineering interesting questions out of uh, a bunch of uh, data is is necessarily the way to go there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think since we're throwing around the word questions, it, may, it might be important to point out that uh, these are the questions that you want to answer, not the questions you're going to ask.
0: Right. Yes. Well, well put. Thank you for uh, hitting me on the nose with the newspaper on that one. Specifically, we're looking at... Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> we can edit that part out. <laughs> no, I, I think we should keep that part Yeah. I, yeah. We should, we'll just take turns looking stupid.
0: I think maybe the, the the topic being surveys, maybe somebody would be tuning in being like, "Hey, I'm about to run a survey. Maybe I should get some tips." So, just a a practical overview of how to get up and running and what to what to aim for and what to avoid. I I don't think we need to get too academic with it, but I guess wherever wherever the conversation takes us.
1: All right. Uh well, uh, what? Uh, so we we've laid out some tools. We we've so
0: which one would you use and when?
1: Well, uh, I think that's. I, th- I mean, so if you're trying to measure um, something in context, uh, so if you just put a feature in front of somebody and you want some feedback on it, um, or if someone is landing on a page where. Uh, it's not clear, like, what sort of segment or what, what activity they're looking to do on that particular page. That I think that's a great opportunity to use on-page surveys. It's yep. just, like in context, like in the flow of what people are doing. And it's um, also
0: non-interruptive or not as much.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, you're more likely to to be hitting on, you know, sort of what they're interested in. It's like, you know, are you looking for X, Y, Z? Uh, most likely, they're going to respond well to something like that if that's the kind of thing they're looking to do.
0: Yeah, and then also, you know, that you're also capturing people in the moment, right? So if they're on your pricing page, it's not like you're sending out an email two weeks later, being like, you know, if you were looking at a pricing page and you were thinking about different packages, what would you? You're like, hey, we're here right now. Let's do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I think that's the opportunity for, for on-page type stuff. Um, and for the longer form stuff, I think that's, you know, if you want to know what your next product should be, if you want to get, like, a general sense of, like, your user's perception of something, um, you know, solicit some, like, you know, wide-ranging feedback about, like, an event, uh, I think the, the longer form stuff makes sense.
0: Right. Well, and I think also the longer form it, it, the fact that it it isn't in the moment i think you can use that to your advantage where if you want to get to the bottom of things that are that are regarding that person that aren't having to do with the online experience of your particular site so if you're trying to get demographic data or uh right. you know after you attended our conference you know now that it's, now that it's been a week what do you think about it things like that so you're looking at you know, any anything that if you're trying to answer questions about the people who are coming to your site or who are associated with it that don't have to do with the actual usage of it in the moment, I would say that would be, you know, then you can go with the longer form kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good point. I mean, you're using uh, people in the way they think are very contextual. Uh, so it's it's nice to be able to sneak things in to... uh like what people are already thinking about or what they're already trying to do, so I think that's a good point um but that brings up kind of another thing of uh you know how do you how do you build these surveys what what kind of questions do you want to ask oh care to care to care to kick
0: that that one off
1: oh well oh, that's that's just pushed right back into my hands it's <laughs> like a like the flea flicker or something <laughs> uh yeah so uh, I think again, it depends a little bit on on how you're, how you're looking to measure things and what you're interested in. Um, so on like the longer form side, uh, I think you mentioned some important things. I mean, demographics are going to be interesting, uh, and then you know if you're if you're dealing with customers, and, and I hope you are, um, then you know you you, really you being get, the
0: listener, not me. You being yeah.
1: Well, both. I hope you deal with customers sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you really want to get at, you know, who the users are, and, and that may be, like, one of your questions in a way is is sort of segment-related. Um, so you need to make sure if if you're interested in, uh, you know, what people have to say in different strata, then you need to make sure to capture the information that allows you to stratify everybody. Um, and then, yeah, it, it kind of depends on what your topic is, uh, but in general, I think surveys are, are sort of best served by um, really tight likert style questions uh, and then very open-ended, uh, broad like short response style questions.
0: Okay I, I would I would round that out with uh, like numerical uh, type answers uh, example. Uh, not that I would necessarily recommend this per- specific question, but if you're trying to get an understanding of how many people uh, worked at th- what the different company sizes that you were serving were, you could yeah, say, yeah. Uh, "How many employees does your company have?" And in that scenario, you know, you'd be getting some hard data on, you know, specifically what different company sizes they were.
1: Things yeah, I'd like like, lump that in with with the demo stuff. Yeah, and then you can
0: you can even chart that. Right you can create a, what do you call it uh what are those charts the uh, histogram
1: yes, and that's interesting
0: um, too so, uh, diving into the numerical uh question type uh here get get flicking the flea back back to me for a second. Um, one thing <laughs> I would really recommend well actually I have kind of a meta meta recommendation, which is that you don't have to blast the survey out to everybody all at once. One nice thing about the the online uh, in the moment in-context pop-up things is you can see the inter- information trickle in as you come, and, and just like with anything with design, there's probably a pretty good chance that you made a couple boneheaded mistakes in the initial version, and you can kind of course correct as you go. So that's that's yeah. one thing. But also that, you know, if you're emailing out a link to your entire user base asking them to fill out the survey, maybe just, maybe just segment out like a hundred, even at random, and email it to them. See what sort of responses you get, and then and then adapt it as you go. Or you could probably even A/B test a survey if you really wanted to get crazy with it.
1: Yeah, you could. Um, and I, I think I think it's a good idea to to test the survey before you you go broad. Um, I, I think it's generally a good idea with anything. It's uh, to kind of dogpile on your point. Uh, Don Norman and his Design of Everyday Things book uh, says that like most things uh, have to be. Like redesigned six times before they're like in proper form. Oh, and uh, that number you know feels reasonable to me. You know, a couple of like rough drafts and then kind of an initial, and you test it and you tweak it a few times. So uh, unfortunately, he also points out that most things only make it to two or three.
0: Yeah, if that, I think yeah. I think that that's not bad. <laughs> So we're talking about numerical answers. We're saying you don't have to go. You don't have to blast everything all at once. Maybe adapt as you go. And no, nowhere do I see that better served than in the numerical answers because a lot of times you're going to be tempted to group them into ranges with like a radio button. So it's like you know what? Yeah. Uh, how many employees at your company? Zero to a hundred. A uh, hundred to five hundred. Five hundred to a thousand. And the issue that I have with this is you don't know how it's going to break down. So you know maybe. Uh, let's say that there's a huge amount of variation between 500 and a thousand, uh, that, you know, it skews, everybody's coming in at like 550, for example, and you right. have these ranges where it's 500 to a thousand, maybe a hundred percent or almost a hundred percent of your answers are there, but what are you really learning? You just know that it's somewhere in that range, but not specifically where it is. So my recommendation is always get it out there with an open ended, just let them type in a number at least at first. And then once you see how the distribution is laid out, then you can kind of like, once you know what the ranges are, then you can ask in ranges. But until then, I mean, that's the whole point of surveys is you're trying to find out what you don't know. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. It's, It's actually funny. I was at a, so I was at a rodeo one time. This is a weird place to get a survey, but I got a paper survey and, uh, the demographic information on, they were, they were getting like income bracket information, uh, and I don't know if, like, they really know their audience, and I was just, you know, lost. But they uh, the top bracket was, like, over 50000 And I felt like, you know, that's, like, near the median household income. I think it's uh, a little so over. I think, the, it, I think median's median like, It is a little over. Yeah. But, but it seemed like an odd place to just end it. Like, are you more than this? Um, because I felt like a lot of their data was going to be, like, oddly distributed that way. So just just kind of an example of what you're talking about. Right. Well, and that leads me, so we're
0: just we're just going free form here, right? We're all
1: we're all about it.
0: All right. So so that leads me to to an, an interesting survey paradigm which is a lot of times maybe in their case they were just trying to exclude people above that. So maybe they're not looking for yep. what's the answer across the board. We want to know what the distribution looks like across, you know, for everybody in the county. Maybe they're like, we just want to know what, uh, you know, people within a certain income bracket think about whatever the survey was about. Let's, let's get these people who don't belong here out right away. Let's not even, let's not waste anybody's time.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think if you, if you know your audience really well, you can do that. But I, I mean, most people getting started with surveys are probably a long way from that level of, of understanding where they, they can throw out groups.
0: Right. Well, I guess in that sense, it almost becomes like a screener.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: oh, which that—that oh. that actually kind of leads me into uh, another another point is that uh, you know one of the reasons addition aside even from just numerical questions, but one of the reasons to sort of track and adjust and test your survey as you go is uh, you you may get some really unexpected results, um, and you may find that. Uh, the survey you designed isn't measuring what you what you wanted it to for a variety of reasons, whether your audience is different than you expected or your question is is poorly designed or or something of that sort. Um, but it, it, surveys are a big opportunity to like really learn. Um, so I think I think most surveys, even if they're heavily, uh, numerical and like quantitative sort of questions, Likert scale questions. I think you need to allow some some space for some some free form answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I well, I think Peter Drucker said that uh, you're never selling the customer what you think you are, or the customer's not buying what you think you're selling. Something like that. Um, and and I think to get at some of that kind of insight, you got to let people talk.
0: Yeah, is that the the quarter inch drill, quarter inch hole type idea?
1: Yeah, I I think it's it's tied in there, but I I think most people with products will have had the experience of someone using it in a way that it was unexpected.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I Robert cannot agree with you more.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad that we're completely in agreement. They're, this is the No Discord User Success Podcast. So Yeah,
0: we should just call so. it 100% Consensus.
1: <laughs> the Consensus Podcast. I like that.
0: But the point that you bring up, I think, to me, is the crux of this entire episode, which is the purpose of a survey is not to confirm your biases that, the, 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 that you're bringing to the table. The point of a survey is to learn new things. So it's to learn what you don't know. If you already knew it, you don't need to use a survey,
1: right? Yeah. So
0: l- taking as much of an opportunity because this brings us into the whole topic of uh,
1: you're you're at risk of of like Donald Rumsfeld territory here.
0: In w- like a, a, in what sense?
1: The the unknown unknown and the known oh, unknown kind of distinction,
0: I suppose. Yeah, I thought you meant like I was going to start singing about eagles.
1: Uh, well, that's always a risk with you. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know me. You know me too well, Robert. But, uh, but like, but, but you get into this, into the zone where you have to be very careful about consciously or unconsciously introducing bias into your surveys.
1: Yeah. So what, I mean, what would you throw out? This is, this whole podcast is flea flicker style, by the way. Yeah, of course. Uh, what, What would you throw out as an example of that?
0: So, uh, for one thing, I mean, the, 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 the general umbrella of leading questions for sure would, would come to my mind right away. So right. if we're looking at any, any sort of signal that you're sending somebody, like this is the actual, this is the number or answer we're looking for people to provide. Right,
1: right. Yeah. You start off with like demo questions and then you're like, how often do you use a computer? Do you consider yourselves, you know, sophisticated? Do you like, you know, all leading up to, uh, Maybe an obvious bias toward some kind of like technology questions right if you if you put people in a frame of mind, then you're going to get a different answer
0: exactly, yeah, and that's the it's the, you might as well just throw the whole survey in the garbage and all the results and all the time that you wasted with everybody
1: <laughs> yes exactly so, so
0: i and what, so tip number three is throw the survey in the garbage because you did a bad job and also throw time in the garbage, find some way to do that. <laughs>
1: Well, hopefully you've learned something. I
0: think, yeah. Well, and, and so one other way to introduce bias into the thing is uh, is the order of the answers.
1: Yes. Like, no,
0: if, a... if if you have the technology to do so, and I'm not sure, I don't, what do we cover? Qualaroo, Google Forms, WooFoo. I don't know if any of them have this, but if there's a thing where you can, if you have a multiple choice and you can randomize the order of those answers, uh, I think that you will find very different results than if you know question or answer a is always answer a
1: yeah and that that goes back to like quite a few different things i mean there's a lot of potential pitfalls and cognitive biases around that right if it's if you're answering numerically uh, you know like there's there's anchoring and all sorts of other things i mean it, it gets pretty tricky so randomization is definitely a good idea if if the platform allows for it Yep. even uh, randomizing question order oh. can can be uh, an interesting access to play with I do think the access for for like free input is still useful oh yeah let's go back
0: to that so you you're you're a big proponent of the the uh open, end, open text box
1: I do I like the open text box and so there's a couple of reasons for it uh, one is it, it allows uh, I think people, even without much background in writing surveys and survey design, to write questions that aren't biased. Um, they may not be, uh, you know, good at writing the most useful questions right out of the box, but I think that's one of the things that testing can help with. Um, but the other thing that you buy yourself with with open-ended questions is uh, you, you just get to hear things that you otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes people are gonna like not even answer the question. They'll throw in some some comment, or uh, sometimes the way someone says something is really important. I mean, you mentioned cold calling. Uh, I think one of the one of the best things about cold calling is uh, it it can be free form, and the feedback is just really immediate. And you can you can pull a lot out of how someone says something, and uh, you know just kind of the emotion of the moment. Um, and I think that's as close as you can get to that sort of feeling in a survey
0: interesting and then you're also you are literally going off script so you get you're 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 finding out the things that you don't know more quickly
1: right yeah but i I do think uh, I do think your point is is well taken that if you ask questions that are too open to interpretation uh you're not gonna get you're probably going to get some of the answers that you want to hear and, and that are going to be positive, but you're also going to get, you know, broadly misinterpreted and uh, misdirected answers that, that are unfortunate.
0: Well, and once again, going back to this, you don't have to, you don't have to survey everybody all at once. You maybe you have the open-ended ones to start because you're just trying to get the lay of the land. And that leads you to like, oh, I didn't even think to ask about how close you live to a hospital or whatever it is. And then you can add that, that question, you can formalize it as you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think another... Uh, so another point we can we can throw out there is uh, usually when you're trying to measure something in a survey, you, you actually want to ask multiple questions about the same thing that come at it from different directions. Oh. Uh, yeah. So there's a few reasons for that. Some of them we touched on when we talked about, like, randomized order and questions and answers. Um, and some of it is because... Uh, even some of the best survey questions have a tendency to have biases. Um, but, I mean, sort of the the drive here is they're usually sort of different independent axes within the thing that you're measuring. Um, and if you use multiple questions, then you're more likely to be able to attack those different pieces of, of a subject.
0: Yeah, makes sense to me. I, I also imagine it would help... Uh like bear out uh what it, like idiosyncrasies in the way that people perceive things where if you ask a question in right. three different ways and then you know two of them have the same responses pretty much across the board and then one has wildly different from the other two I'd be like what's int- what is it about the way that this was phrased what what sort of insights could we glean from that
1: right yeah yeah i th- i think uh i think phrasing is hugely important
0: yeah so so going back to the open-ended text box real quick. Yes. It leads me right to my tip of the week. Uh-oh.
1: Ding ding.
0: <laughs> tip Tip of the week is uh so so uh, uh, coming from a user experience background, there are a lot of times where you're trying to line up user interviews or usability tests or things like that and you're uh it's uh, fall into the into the realm of user recruiting, which which is often where a lot of UX efforts stop, that people are like, oh, right, we'll have to go get people. And uh, that's hard, so let's just not. And it's a shame, but it's, it's true. It is hard, it's very hard. Um, but one thing that you can do is put out a survey, have that open-ended feedback text box, and you're almost guaranteed, if, so long as you you know send it out to enough people, you're You're pretty much bound to get some extremely long answers that are uh, I guess you could say impassioned that people are highly emotionally motivated to respond to you um, and those people, if you email them specifically back and say, "Oh, thank you so much for your feedback. it was so helpful. In fact, would you be willing to come by or, or would you be willing to line up you know a phone call where we can go into this in more depth?" Or would you be willing to come by and, and you know, ha- have us walk you through the this new prototype we're working on? Uh, typically, you'll find that those people, um, that's a that's a kind of a, what do you call it, shooting, shooting fish in a barrel? Shooting fish in a barrel? Is that it? It's not catching fish in a barrel.
1: That is shooting fish in a barrel. That's correct.
0: Right. And I don't know why you would be shooting fish to begin with. Like with a harpoon? Uh,
1: no, usually with with something like a shotgun but yeah
0: and then does is the barrel full of water like are these fish living why would you be shooting dead fish
1: uh i think you you generally aren't shooting dead fish that wouldn't be very useful
0: you wouldn't be shooting dead fish
1: no i don't think so
0: so they're living fish presumably in water to keep them living
1: that's yeah fish like the water so that's my tip of the week Boom! I yep. like that. That's a good tip. You know. So I'm gonna go straight in, ding ding, to the next tip of the week. And uh, this this could get a little tired, but uh, my my tip this go round is gonna be uh, that you just have to you have to get out there and do it.
0: Oh, all right.
1: Just oh. get
0: your just get get your feet wet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think even if your first survey doesn't quite teach you what you want to know, um, I think generally. Uh, users will be appreciative of the effort, and uh I think you'll you'll probably learn something useful and you'll probably learn a lot about running your next survey
0: i that's that was the point yeah that's what I was gonna come in on that even if even if you don't do much of anything with it you're gonna make a lot of a lot of mistakes you getting those uh getting those taking your lumps before it's show time it's like yeah. it's, it's like getting a sparring partner before your your uh your boxing debut.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean everything takes practice. So I think uh I think for surveys much like everything else, uh you got to get out and and just do it. Robert. But I, yeah. I think that's a great tip. I it really it's unfortunately it's a great tip for too many things. So it can get overexposed, but that doesn't make it less important.
0: Yeah. Boy. 100% consensus, once again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the Yes Man podcast. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're actually available to agree with you at any time.
0: Yeah. We're, we're confirmation for hire. <laughs>
1: uh, so I, yeah. I, got
0: a, I got another topic for the table.
1: Let's do it. So
0: going back to... So the, so the whole purpose of a survey because uh, we're talking about ways to avoid bias introducing it or or actively avoiding it and things like that um uh, here's a here's a bias a bias I'd like to throw throw out on the barrel head I like it selection bias oh oh do do explain well so you're the idea is to get feedback from uh, some sort of demographic of people that's made up of people. You're not surveying machines, for example, or dogs right. And so what you really want is to, you're sending it out to some, once again, we'll, we'll call it a demographic, some slice of your audience, if not your entire audience, or someone else's audience, I guess. But anyway, you're sending it to some slice of people, and what you're looking to get in response is uh, something that is representative of that slice, correct? Correct. So the, the selection bias that comes into play is, what if the responses that you're getting are skewed as far as the entire populace is concerned. Because to to put it to an extreme case, what if it's all just a bunch of busybodies? What if they're the only ones that are going to bother replying? Uh, Maybe they're the only people with time on their hands. They're not busy, high-producing individuals. Uh, Or, and we can get to this part later, if you offer some sort of incentive, maybe it's just people who are skewed by that incentive. Maybe if you're trying to find out what percentage of your... uh, of your audience owns yachts and you're offering a fifty dollar uh outback steakhouse gift card maybe maybe the people who respond will not necessarily be as representative uh, of the of the entirety in that sense
1: i like yeah i think the most important point there was that we're now taking shots at outback steakhouse
0: Outback (laughs) Outback steakhouse shots fired you just got served (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but hopefully not a steak from there,
0: or so. well, yeah, or a bloomin' onion because I will admit those are delicious. So I hope you didn't get served uh, one of those.
1: Yeah, yeah, Wait, no deliciousness.
0: Although that would probably <laughs> that lead to your demise more quickly. So I sort of, I hope that it was <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, so selection by Do you have any thoughts on that? Did the great Don Norman uh, bestow any any insights in that regard to you? <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm I'm sure Don knows a lot about selection bias. That's right, first name basis. Uh, No, not at all, in fact. But, (laughs) yeah, I think think selection bias is an important thing to keep in mind. Uh, I think we, earlier in the podcast, kind of touched on that. So, like, when the rodeo uh, seemed like they had a kind of scrunched up uh, grouping of... Uh, income brackets. They may have been just looking, like you said, at a particular range, and so they didn't care about everyone else.
0: What is, oh, uh, I, I missed the part that it was a rodeo.
1: Yeah, I said it was a rodeo. Well, I missed
0: it. I'm not saying you yep. didn't say it. Wait, it's, oh, okay. uh, so, but that, that changes things. How does uh? What does what does the rodeo need to know your income for to begin with?
1: Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not oh, sure. Oh, let's skip this town. It's just full of pores. <laughs> Well, it's it's actually a recurring rodeo that doesn't. It's always in the same town. A lot of rodeos are that way. In fact, they're not really. uh, So, like the the riders and stuff travel around to the different events, but they're usually like held in the same locations.
0: Well, that makes it even weirder.
1: It does, doesn't it? Maybe maybe they were
0: doing some some uh, stealth surveying for like the chamber of commerce.
1: Yeah, you know, actually, this leads to like another.
0: So I think I think it was a false flag operation.
1: <laughs> so I can I can tie this pretty strongly to this selection bias issue. So uh, I took I took my kids uh, to the rodeo because they have like a petting zoo and they have so they had these uh, these little like piglets and the piglets would race uh, and I think they called it pork chop downs, which was you know this was a very hilarious like, driven yeah. event. Uh, but there are lots of animals around. Could you um, bet on them? No, no, that's, that's, okay. that's not legal. Um, but so w- the point I was going to make is they administered this survey uh, on clipboards given out to people that went to the pig race. Um, and while that's uh, in a way kind of clever because you're catching people, you know, when they're getting there, when they're, when they're sitting down, when they have a moment. So, you're like you, you know, you claim a seat before the race and you're waiting so you have you know, some time to fill out a survey. A captive audience.
0: Yeah, and, issue... and you also know that that these people are people who would go
1: to a piglet race. Well, that's that's what I was going to drive at here. So if you're looking for a cross section of your rodeo audience, you're <laughs> you're actually doing yourself a disservice because mostly the people at the pig race were people with young children, uh, whereas the people that attended the later events at the rodeo like the rodeo itself and there's a, there's a concert after the rodeo. Uh that's gonna be a different demographic. So you you didn't really capture a cross section there if you were looking for, you know, a broad grouping. If you knew you wanted the people with kids, yeah. brilliant. But if you wanted everybody, a swing and a miss.
0: Or, or just piglet enthusiasts.
1: Yeah. Those those are those are everywhere though. Those are easy to catch up with. It's safe to assume Oh, you are from Texas, right? <laughs> uh actually feral pigs are a big problem here so there's probably more people that are not fans of pigs well
0: but when they're when they're uh enslaved and made to race for your entertainment perhaps uh people get a little bit more in line with that
1: <laughs> yeah that's a it's a very dark portrayal but uh, yeah <laughs> uh
0: okay so yeah so so you to but to your mind what what did the survey entail because maybe they were just looking to double down on on uh families for example
1: yeah uh well that's a great question but i can't answer it because i don't remember it was two years ago oh two whole years ago yeah sorry okay did you I, fill I wanted... out the
0: survey do you remember filling it out or not
1: yeah i did fill it out
0: so probably so... because
1: i have a personal interest in surveys and i wanted to see what questions they asked yeah okay well that's <laughs> so
0: you were you were you you were like look this pig race, I could take it or leave it, but this survey thing. Uh,
1: the, I, you know, the pig race was pretty fun. <laughs>
0: these, these are the people who are a captive audience. Let's shove a survey in their faces and, you know, whatever we get. I guess we'll learn more about people who go to pig races, if not uh, rodeos full stop. Right. So then the, there's, but there's also on the other, uh, similar to that is the the bias that's introduced with the incentive. Um, so even bias part uh, alone, you have different oppor- you have different options when you're looking at providing the incentive for the form. So you have uh, for a chance to win an iPad, for example.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't really like those too much. What do you? How do you feel about that?
0: Well, in some ways they're nice. They're they're not setting the expectation that if I fill out this form, I will get. $50 or a hundred dollar Amazon card or whatever. It's more saying do, cause you want to have that the, the mixing the, with so many things in life, mixing the intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, I think it can be delicate too though, actually. So I got an email, uh, literally today, I think it was from hip monk. Uh, and they were—it's a—it's a travel booking website that gives you deals, uh, which it's—it's it's a good situation if if you need that. But they sent me an email because they have
0: the the uh, misery index or yeah, something. Agony. yeah agony agony
1: right. Uh, so so the email it was one of these contest things, uh, but it the the subject line was like uh, it was something like. Uh, we will we're going to send you to Paris or uh, you know free tickets to Paris something along those lines, which it was you know they left it kind of ambiguous like did I actually just win some kind of random thing I didn't know it was entered in or and then so you so you click uh, but I think you have to be careful with those types of things um, because you can end up disappointing people right away and and losing some engagement.
0: Yeah. Well, and also, you got to be careful with these incentives because then you're uh having people uh you're filtering out people who don't want to go to Paris.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: So, what if I mean if it was like uh you know, we'll, you'll get a free flight. Well <laughs> I was going I was going to name some really crappy country, but then I realized that might uh might might be uh, not good for our popularity of this podcast in said country.
1: So, yeah, yeah. We really we need to like nurture our our audiences, you know, in, like Azerbaijan and you yeah. Know, we're really we have such a broad base. Yeah,
0: but uh, what like what would like a uh, war torn Sudan. <laughs> for example or maybe just
1: maybe just a you know airfare to wherever pork chop downs is racing
0: He <laughs> gets to follow them like groupies like yeah. like you're like deadheads for pork the chop full Downs tour <laughs> i wonder if it's pork chop downs has like uh like like what's the secretariat of pork
1: chop downs <laughs> uh i don't know um but he's Probably ended up being dinner or breakfast. <laughs> oh, boy. Probably the, uh, being a pig is, that's a rough life. <laughs> uh, well, they got Oreos after the races, so it's kind probably... of. <laughs> did they really? <laughs> yeah, they did actually.
0: Win or lose or just the, just the no, good ones? No, this is America. <laughs> yeah. So they had like the participation trophy,
1: uh, Oreo. <laughs> the party, yeah. It was like a vanilla oreo or something.
0: Are Oreo was oh so it was like a Hydrox.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was an Oreo with a sad face. <laughs> are Oreos really that good for pigs? Uh, I'm sure they're not, but pigs uh are not not selective eaters. I'm I'm not sure that
0: Oreos uh, like a steady diet of of post race Oreos would <laughs> would really keep them in racing trim. <laughs> you uh... <laughs> So we were talking about so like we're offering incentives. There's the if you do this, you will get this incentive. And then you, there's also the if you do this, you'll have a chance to get this. So the reason that I like the you'll have a chance to get this from an, an administrative standpoint, first of all, it's a lot less uh, it's a lot more cost effective because you're not sending out iPads to everybody. Right, you're able to vet out scammers, because if you say, "Look, if you fill this out, you know," oh, well, that's another thing we should talk about with surveys, because uh, you also want to screen out responses that are just like, if it's all multiple choice and everything's just a, right. So you want to look at the behavioral uh, statistics around this, the survey too that you want to you want to uh, exclude people that were just in there completing it to complete it, but, you know, not even offering earnest information.
1: Right, you throw out the outliers.
0: Yeah. Well, and then, because um, there's a, yeah, well, that opens up a whole other door. Because then you're looking at, like, uh, maybe somebody just rigged it up with, like, had a thousand people answer it on Mechanical Turk or something, just to get a, <laughs> get a chance, get a thousand one dollars gift yeah. cards. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a whole different sort of area of discussion. But right. that's true. So if you're offering, if you finish, if you complete the survey, you will get X. Then you want it to be doing that for a very small uh, amount of recipients because otherwise it's just an administrative nightmare.
1: Yeah, it can be. Um, you you could be giving away though, uh, you know, a, a digital product that's maybe valuable but not doesn't have a marginal cost, um, or you could give away uh, like discounts. Um, yep, especially for,
0: for for like if you're let's assume the the listeners here whatever however many of them are left after the the in-depth uh, pork chop downs discussion. But <laughs> let's assume that the the listening audience is primarily uh, product people, so to speak. Uh, you know, anytime that you can align the incentive with more use of your product, then at least you know that there's a little bit more of an overlap between what your, the incentive that you're providing and and the value that you're providing. Uh, well, sorry, incentive for the survey, value from the company. If you said, let's say you're uh, FreshBooks and you say, uh, fill out the survey for a free iPad, then all of a sudden it's like, well, but is this really representative of our user base? Are these people that are really, uh, what's the word, uh, invested in FreshBooks and in using it or things like that? Or is this just, a random sampling of people who like iPads,
1: right? Whereas you could say, fill out the survey and get, you know, a free month of FreshBooks or, you know, this free FreshBooks plugin or something along those lines, which is which is actually connected with using FreshBooks. And in the case of a plugin, it could be, you you know, it's another case where you could be sort of directing things, right? Maybe interested in a particular segment, and you could pick your your plugin. Appropriately.
0: Yep, and then you can also look at activation rate. So you can say, okay, well, eighteen hundred people took the survey, and uh, you know, twelve hundred activated the plugin. Looks like there was a pretty high uh, ratio of people who actually were genuinely invested in it. If instead you say, fill out the survey, and you get this free plugin, and and only you know a half of percent of the participants actually activated the plugin. I guess that would, well, I, that's not necessarily bad either. I mean, I guess they filled out the survey because they wanted to. Right, Going back yeah, to the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, it looked like they they weren't extrinsically very motivated, but at the same time, if you're using that to test the demand for the plugin, uh looks like that's pretty low as far as with the, with the participating user base that
1: was uh, involved. Yeah, yeah. So that you kind of maybe inadvertently touched on something that I think is interesting. Uh, so if you're surveying your own user base, uh, we've talked about demographic information and some other things, it is possible, uh, depending on the type of survey you run, to directly connect those, those people who answer with additional data that you have about them already, which may allow you to, to stratify and also get an idea of if... These users do represent a cross section of uh, the group of users you were trying to target. Oh,
0: could you give? Could you provide an example?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, if you were sort of most interested in, um, let's see, let's say you ran FreshBooks and you. Uh, you wanted to connect mostly with users that had used a certain feature. Uh, So you put, you know, say an in-page sort survey on a few pages around that feature. Um, You could actually tie the logged in user back to a particular account and see what their usage was like. And maybe you're only interested in people that had done that particular task many, many times or say like since you updated it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there's oh, the I thought that I thought again. that was nope.
0: like a pregnant pause.
1: No, no, no. No, it was just it was just a powerful ending with silence. Wow. Well, all right. There you go. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to tie in the other data that's useful and it can also uh, so there's some tension when you write any survey between the length of the survey, uh, and and how much you can like how much information you can get out of it, and how how willing users are to continue to fill out survey questions.
0: Yeah. So that sorta kind of dovetails. Did you want to cover anything more there, or can I can I take the ball and run with it for a second?
1: No. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: So we're looking at. Incentives and how to get people aligned, and also you know picking people out from uh, demographic pieces of information, qualities about them, things like that. I, I think another thing that I really look at with surveys is what is the what's the moment that you're introducing the survey? What was the what was the action that they or inaction that triggered it? What's the timing? Where are they in the customer journey? So on and so forth. So one example, a uh, little bit of a callback to our switch interview episode is right after they sign up, boom, hit them with a survey, right? Right. Because then it's fresh.
1: They just did it. Well, if if the survey is about sign up or or like the process of onboarding or something, right?
0: No, I would disagree. I mean, it could be because they're experiencing that in the moment. But I think also if you're looking for how do we articulate our the value of our product? Uh, what is it that that's really driving people to sign up? I think that if you were to ask them, the question of, wow, all right, you just you like you just converted from trial to paid. What what was it that really made it a you know a no brainer for you? And if right. you ask that yeah. same question to somebody after they've been using the product for six months, I think you're going to get wildly different answers.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, and I I think that is still like driven by, I guess I was agreeing with you ultimately because this is the consensus podcast, but <laughs> it's just driven by like the context, right? You. You want to ask the question like as close to the moment of uh, of you know occurrence or inception or action as you can
0: right, but not necessarily like what was it what was it like filling out our billing form or you know it's more of like oh you know broader <laughs> things than that right so then so the 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 way that I tend to separate things out are they did not convert. So if it's, if it's they're officially quote unquote dead, then finding out what went wrong and you're probably going to find a very low response rate because they hate you. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. and then the the just converted. And then also the they're they're around forever, things like that. So those, right. are, th- those well, are there's th-
1: another there's an important one I I feel like you just left out.
0: Well, I'm not done, but go ahead. I want to hear it. Just canceled that's where I was going. That was number four.
1: Oh, I like number four.
0: Yeah. And so that one's a little bit tricky because if you... Rec- well, because we can dive right into that. So, all right. So let's very quickly. So they didn't convert. You reach out to them after the fact. You're probably not going to hear quite uh, very much from them.
1: Uh, 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 I will... I'm going to take you back a step here.
0: Wait, wait, Samuel. wait. I just want to make sure because I'm going back a step before we go forward too. Uh, this is not the... At the moment of cancellation. This is just... Dead ends.
1: Okay, do do your dead ends, and and we'll come back.
0: Well, I'm asking if you have any before we, because I want to talk about like the, the moment of cancellation. So let's just cover quickly the other ones so we can move on. So people that never converted to begin with, do you have any any thoughts on that?
1: Oh, people. So so uh, trial or you know came to the, came and checked it out, but the but duds. No. No if you purchase.
0: buy if you buy a, a package of fireworks and and some of them just don't go off these th- those are the those are the people what do you do with them?
1: Well, I think the best information you're going to get from those people is actually uh, when they engaged with the product and what they were interested in when they engaged with it. Um, so you may be able to tell um, that your messaging is off a little, like you're attracting people that you know, aren't going to be successful with the product. Um, And then you can also, I mean, you can try to follow up uh, after they've fallen off. I think that's kind of when you get into uh, needing to offer maybe different sorts of incentives or kind of liven up the offer. I mean, there's just not a lot of value in uh, filling out surveys for things that you're not interested in.
0: Right. Right. One thing uh, Lincoln Murphy recommends, and it's actually... This doesn't really have anything to do with surveys, but what do you do with all these people? He says just just blast them with announcements every time a feature comes out. Yeah. Which on the surface sounds spammy, but it's also like, well, you're not really in danger of screwing up the relationship because there isn't one. And maybe six months, a year from now, you finally have the killer feature that makes them want to switch. Like, it's it's you're just... You're taking nothing and, and possibly turning it into something.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, so we, we've touched on this before a little bit. Um, but I think he's on to something there because I doubt it's actually feature-driven even. I think the more likely case of the people dropping off is... Uh, is more sort of urgency or right. you know, they were like looking to solve a particular problem. They couldn't like get
0: right the budget then. pushed through. Yeah.
1: And then like, oh the budget fell through, or oh the the whole project is going away and we don't need this thing anymore. Or uh, you know, oh I like found some other thing I love or uh you know something along those lines is seems to me to be more what happened. So yeah, I think right. I think staying in touch is, is a good idea. I was uh, maybe in my head i was thinking too much that you were you know the connection was terminated but yeah if they if they remain around on on a list then there's nothing to be lost in contacting them
0: right and and so and lincoln made the good point of they can always unsubscribe if they don't like it i mean who knows maybe they like getting these updates you know so the 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 inner uh, spam averse part of me is like i don't know but i mean you can just let the email sit there or you might as well, you might as well just force, force the issue.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, I guess to, to jump on that, I mean, if they're, if they were interested in the product originally, they're, they're probably interested in how people are solving it and, you know, different things around that. So you, you don't necessarily have to have every single email you send out be about a feature. You can, yeah. Uh, you can mix in, you know, valuable stuff about the industry or, solving the the problem or your philosophy or you know different things that might be valuable even to someone that's not using the product.
0: Yeah, I guess the 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 principle is that if you're like, "Oh, I don't want to bother them." Or maybe you're just not even thinking about that as a like as a potential revenue source or whatever. Right. Then, then I mean, it's certainly better than just letting it sit there and not doing anything with it. And it's also well, better than you know, sending out an email that like once every year and a half, and they're like, "Who is this again?" Like, you might as well. Again, they can always unsubscribe. If even if the point yeah. of it is to just keep pushing things until that person unsubscribes, at least some sort of action was taken.
1: Right. No, I think. I mean, you can really only judge, you know, what people are interested in by their behavior. So if, if they sign up, uh, it, you know, there's a chance that they put off getting off the list for longer than they'd like. But, uh, I think, I think most people will unsubscribe if they you know, completely lose interest.
0: Yeah. And, and that's their right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And really, uh, not to be like, you know, mom consoling a teenager about a broken relationship, but, uh, you know, there are other, there are other fish in the sea there. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, um, the customers that walk away, like walk away for good reasons, uh, walk away because, you know, there's not a fit there. So if you're interested in successful users, then you have to be targeting the right users that can be successful.
0: One of the the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten was a comment on, uh, Chris Dixon's blog. the, Mm -hmm. The post was, uh, if you're not getting rejected on a daily basis, you're not trying hard enough, something along those lines. Which was a good a good post in its own right. But if I recall correctly, comment number one was uh, I've, I probably almost have it completely committed to memory. Uh, when you're let's see, when you're rejecting me, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the combination of you and me. And you're probably right.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 well said.
0: Yeah, because there's a lot of times where it's like ooh, or even times that somebody. Didn't reject you. I would
1: add, even. I would say it's you and me and now.
0: Oh, the timing.
1: Yeah. The current situation. Yeah.
0: Yeah? You know what? I think we should call that Graham's addendum.
1: Oh, I like it. I have an addendum? That's almost a law, right? (laughs) It's
0: almost a law. (laughs) Yep. You're one one step closer. I think there's a rule that you have to have a couple addendum, addendi, and then then you get to move up. Yeah. So you're on your way.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Definitely. So we've covered the cancellation. Basically, it's uh, screw them. Uh, keep spamming them until they unsubscribe. Is a strategy there? <laughs> uh,
1: yes. All right. If and then we'll so quickly going through delivering the other.
0: The uh, so somebody just converted. That's that to me is the primo time. And this is my leads me right up to my resource of the week, which is uh, conversion rate experts. And as if that wasn't enough. And Sean Ellis teamed up for an amazing hour long or so webinar called "Golden Questions That Reveal Exactly Why Your Visitors Aren't Converting."
1: It's amazing!
0: Oh. Have you have you heard heard of this one or seen it?
1: Uh, I I sort of skimmed it. Yeah,
0: I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I it's one of one of my favorite things that I've seen in the last six months or so. I, I love everything that conversion rate experts puts out and I'm quite the fan of Sean Ellis to begin with. So I kind of knew it was going to be good going into it and it, and it, it exceeded even my own expectations. So, um, yeah. the, I like the, conversion rate experts too. They're,
1: they do a good job. They're amazing. Yeah.
0: So big shout out to conversion rate experts. And well, I think we don't need to stroke Sean Ellis's ego anymore. We've kicked off the show talking about Qual Rue. So that's enough for him.
1: Yeah. He's already a winner. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's that's established. We don't need to shoot that. Shoot fish in a barrel. Okay, I'll stop. Um, did, <laughs> Look, did, there's a pig race. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to give. We don't need to feed him any
1: more uh,
0: hydrox race cookies. <laughs> here's
1: here's the here's your pack of Oreos, Sean. You're, you're done.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> so. So. Uh, but so so the number one takeaway that I had from that, which I recommend everybody go through the whole thing and don't just take this one takeaway, but the number one takeaway that I had from that was uh, when somebody has just switched, when they have just converted, to, to think of it like they just ran through an obstacle race and there were all these things that could have gone wrong at any, any point in, the, in their way to that conversion. They, a lot of bumps and bruises in route to becoming a paying customer. And so you you specifically ask them one question which is at what point through this process did you did did you almost not did did things almost not work out did you almost not become a customer and to extend the the obstacle course metaphor uh carl the the conversion rate ex- experts i guess he's what the founder would be the term for it the owner the head the head expert uh says that like if you think about it, like an obstacle course if somebody's like yeah you know I, I I made it through the the tires and the crawling under barbed wire are pretty much fine, but I almost I really almost didn't make it over that rope climb over the wall thing. And then right. you go and you look on the other side of that wall and you see all these people that you know they made it they just made it through, but all these other people aren't. And so they're giving you the specific area like, oh, okay, if we can streamline this, make it less of an obstacle, think of all the other people we can get in. I I absolutely love that metaphor. I love that tip. It would be my tip of the week, but I've already had one, and it's not my own tip. So there you go. <laughs>
1: um, okay, so so I think we covered the the people that are unfortunately left out um, and why it's okay that they got left out. Yep. Uh, Slash and, I and think, burn. I think we're leading up to to a critical thing, and uh, I'm gonna just jump out there and take it from you because that's what I do. Um, but I think you were gonna gonna say at the moment of canceling, you want to ask questions. And you know, there's there's sort of a couple approaches there. You could let them cancel and then follow up with, you know, say an email or a link or something and say, hey, please fill out this thing and tell us what happened. Uh, But you could also make answering a question or two just part of the required process to canceling.
0: Right. And that that can be a little dicey.
1: It can be. So there are some trade offs there. What do you think about it?
0: Uh, overall I am, I am for it because I think worst case scenario, well, you don't want to make it like a labyrinthine where people are like, they're already frustrated that they, that they're not going to be able to be customers of your product. And then you're like making it impossible for them to quit. I think you should right. always, I think you should take the classy route in that scenario. Or another thing yeah. I don't like is like oh well we'll be sad to see you go or like we're gonna punish this engineer or whatever that weird stuff is i don't like that at all
1: yeah yeah i've seen that from different places like maybe a picture of someone crying and eliciting like guilt emotions
0: yeah have some self-respect right and maybe it's something where like you know when you ask these questions a lot of times somebody's like oh yeah i'm uh I got hired at a different company, and so I'm closing this account so I can reopen it at that company. They're like, all right, you don't need need them to, like, you know, whack an engineer on a head with a fake anvil or whatever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Whoever has implemented engineer whacking should probably back off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so well, that's an episode unto itself.
0: But the uh, but but I, I guess the big takeaway that I recommend uh, on this topic, which is not exactly the question you asked me, but since since I took us down this rabbit hole, is I I always come back to how would you behave if if this situation were you and the other person in a room and you needed to address this, and and I just don't think anybody would go like I'm gonna pull I'm gonna wheel somebody in on their chair and they're gonna cry in front of you as you walk out of my out of my business. Right, so I don't I'm not a fan of that. To, to your specific question of requiring feedback on on uh, cancellation, uh, I, I think it's a good idea. I think that worst case scenario, if you do it in a respectful way, respecting yourself and the, the, the canceller, worst case scenario you'll get like some ASDF ASDF submit, right? Right. But on the other hand, you'll probably get a lot of, of interesting information you'll probably hear people canceling because you don't offer feature X even when you do. So that gives you, that that clues you into uh, that you might need to right. take on yeah, a more a educational role or look at your wording or things like that. Right. And then also maybe you'll just at the very, you know, at least get, get a little bit more clarity on on the space that you need to serve and what the real priorities of your customer base are.
1: Yeah, you know, so there's a, there's a ton of value in that particular place to solicit some feedback so i've got uh i've got a resource uh for you and and but i'm going to hold that for just a second oh i
0: I, uh, I i i might be able to guess what it is
1: no you can't i think it might
0: uh no okay
1: all right <laughs> but i'm going to hold on to the resource we're going to deliver that in just a second uh the uh I, I have a so i have sort of a broad question for you about about survey design in general so are you familiar with uh the net promoter system
0: Oh i am
1: okay i okay, got so i have some strong thoughts on that okay well i'm not I'm not specifically going to ask about net promoter but so I think there's kind of a philosophy along those lines that uh you know you you build surveys to ask some one thing one really specific thing uh and in an attempt to measure uh we'll call it you know like, your key metric or the only thing that really matters to you uh, in this case uh, versus, like, having a sort of a broader reach on your survey. Um, And I'm kind of curious, like, what you feel about that and if, uh, you know, if you're a hard line one way or the other or if you think it just depends on on context or, you know, just trade-offs.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, so I have – a lot of thoughts about this. All right. So to, to answer your question, so it's kind of two questions at least, or it's a it's a it's a question with an example, and I want to touch on both. So broad versus narrow, on in in isolation. Uh, okay. My my thoughts on it are going back to what we opened the show with, which is start with the what are the internal questions that you want to to get to the bottom of before you just start measuring things. So one thing that always Uh, when you're talking about, you know, what should we be measuring or, or, you know, what should we be analyzing? Uh, One rule of thumb, I think uh, giving attribution to where it's it's deserved. I wish I could remember. It's something I came across on Twitter. Somebody said at one point, but basically how is this thing that we're measuring going to change our behavior based on what we get back? And if the answer is it's not going to change anything that we're doing, then I would say don't bother. It doesn't matter how broad or narrow that is. So if you're if you're trying to measure brand sentiment by NPS and nobody is doing anything with this information, or maybe you're just using it for, uh, you know, to as a you know part of your board pack that you're gonna be you know uh, sharing with your your advisors on a quarterly report or whatever. Right, just vanity. Yeah, to me, that's I, I you know I don't I'm not a huge fan of that approach in general. I like the idea of. We we are articulating something that we don't know, and we want to get an honest take on, on or become more knowledgeable about it. Really, and so that we can use that to guide our actions in some sort of specific way. So, to me, right. broad versus narrow, that's not so much the thing as just passively tracking things because that information's out there. Don't don't waste everybody's time.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. And I think was that um, answered
0: in the spirit of the question, or did I misinterpret the question?
1: No, that was good, broad versus narrow. Okay. Um, and I was I was gonna pile on and say I think uh, over time people will pick up on sort of the nature of of measurement, and if you're not um, if you're not taking action, then people will notice, and they'll be less inclined to provide you with feedback, and so. Kind of like crying wolf in a way. Um, yeah. So yeah, don't to, don't blow it. If I were to have a, a second tip of the week, kind of like you, yeah. uh, uh, The the tip of the week that I that I bring out uh, illegitimately would be, um, whenever you do do surveys and then take action, let your people know. Tell them, uh, tell them. what you did. Tell them what you learned. Tell them how it's working. You know, like they'll be interested and they'll be glad that you're that you care.
0: Well and ultimately you're hopefully incorporating that into the overall decision making process.
1: Which which decision making process?
0: Well like the product design or strategy or the roadmap yeah, for the features yeah. or it's not something where after the fact you're like eh, it turns out people uh, really like root beer or whatever like you know you're you're using you're using it in time to actually change course based off of the information that you're getting not just as a like a, oh hey what do you know after the fact
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. I th- and I think like when you use it to drive like some new feature or messaging or whatever then in the new feature email you call out you're like, "Hey, we we asked you guys and you know, you guys really came through for us and we learned this and that and that's why it looks like this."
0: Yeah. There you go. All right, so what is what is your
1: what is your resource? Resource. Uh okay, so there's a gentleman by the name of Bob E Hayes. Um He's he's, uh, he's got some academic background. Uh, he he's got a blog and a consultancy called Business Over Broadway. He he does a lot of stuff now about customer loyalty. He wrote a book called Measur- Measuring Customer Satisfaction: Uh-oh. Survey Design, Use, and Statistical Analysis Methods. Um, so I know that's going to sound really heavy to a lot of people, and it's a little bit of an older book, and it's very, uh, very like method and science and math driven. Um, and I don't necessarily recommend that you go out and implement exactly what he says because a lot of what he says is, is targeted at larger brands that maybe have a consultant come in and do a lot of this work for them. But uh, he does have a lot of things to say that can really help you with identifying what you're trying to measure, um, designing questions that get at the heart of, of what you're interested in, um, if you want to do quantitative surveys at all, if you if you want to come up with scores and uh, different things about particular axes that you're questioning on, um, he he has really good information about that. Uh, so if even if you just kind of skim it, I think you can get a lot out of it.
0: So it it, it gets your head right. Yeah. All right. And uh, that will of course be in the show notes.
1: Yeah, which was- are at this point voluminous. <laughs> All
0: right, so so I have one more resource. I thought this was going to be your resource. Actually, oh. when I was guessing your resource, I did not think it was uh, what Bobby Hayes. Yeah, I did not think it was Bobby Hayes's book. I thought it was what I consider to be an extremely high quality article written by. And this is this is a problem with the internet. Is I know how his name is is spelled, but I don't know how it's pronounced. Garrett Diamond uh, is my mm. guess. Founder of Sifter and author of Starting and Sustaining. Demon? Yes. Demon? No probably not Demon. It's probably Diamond. D I M O
1: N. I think Diamond is is most likely.
0: Yeah. But he wrote a, a post called Understanding Cancellations, where he goes into exactly how he and his uh Sifter team uh completely handled the the you just canceled situation survey information getting uh, to to my mind, it is the canonical piece on the subject. Highly, highly recommended. So, coming right on the heels of the cancellation survey topic, I thought that's right where you were going with it.
1: Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, that that's, sounds like a great resource. I I feel like I missed out.
0: Well, and I don't want to speak too highly of it. It's it's very good.
1: Okay, okay. Um, well, the the people in the stadium are are satiated they're asleep (laughs) same thing um but uh yeah i think uh i think we we sort of we didn't exhaust the subject but we we gave the people some good coverage there i think we uh uh, whetted the their
0: appetites at the very least there's plenty more to go out and read but i think we got
1: yeah it's a big subject uh it can be daunting but again get started uh yep i'm samuel uh, the the other thing you can do, and then maybe maybe some practice along the survey lines is you can go and you can you can rate this podcast with five stars and it will just give you some practice answering, you know, questions and mm. rating things. So that's kind of like a Likert scale. So just go over there.
0: It's odd numbered.
1: Five stars? Do it.
0: Yeah, just once though.
1: Well, if if you want to get a botnet or, you know, mechanical turket, that's I mean, yeah. we're not going to complain about it. But no. Maybe maybe we'll point out how our you know 800 reviews are not legitimate, but we'll we'll have to live with it.
0: Yeah, like in the olden days where like you would you would grow a beard and then vote and then go and shave it to a mustache and then vote and then shave off the mustache and vote again.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, olden days?
0: Yeah, well, back when when I guess before they had driver's licenses and stuff.
1: Oh, oh, okay. Like in the you know Gangs what?
0: of New York days.
1: Yeah. You you don't have more than one driver's license?
0: Well no, before people No. Oh, I see. You. So like a uh, like a fake ID. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Uh yeah, sometimes, you know, voter turnout is, is over hundred percent. All right. Well uh, I'm Samuel. <laughs> and I'm
0: Robert. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week when our topic is we don't Oh no, we forgot to uh, hey, Robert, how's the, uh, how's the mailbag looking?
1: Uh, well, you know, since we've yet to, uh, reveal the existence of this to, to literally anyone, uh, it's still pretty thin.
0: Like, like just as thin as the bag itself. <laughs>
1: yes. It consists mostly of nothing and air.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode.
1: Yeah. Any yeah. closing thoughts? Uh...